Hi. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by First Baptist Church. Here at FBC, it's our mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, and we hope that this message helps you continue to grow in your faith. This audio is property of First Baptist Church, but feel free to give away copies of this message in the hopes that others will be impacted by what they hear. For more information about FBC, or if you want to stay connected with us, visit our website at fbclloyd.ca or look us up on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks, and enjoy the latest from FBC. Thank you, worship team. I was asked to read our scripture this morning. So if you'd like to follow along, it's Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 12 that I'll be reading from. And it says, Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Thank you, Darren. I just wondered, Darren, did you always have to hold your Bible that low when you read it? Or is that, you know, that's a very recent thing. I was, I was wondering about that. Thank you so much uh, for, for reading scripture for us this morning. This morning we're uh, in our series, uh, Life Upside Down. And if you haven't uh, caught any of these ser- the messages in the series so far, I would encourage you to go back to our YouTube channel or to our podcasts and, uh, and just listen to the last three messages. Uh, uh, Doug did an amazing job on the first two, and then last week, if you had the opportunity to hear Gord uh, talking about our strength and weakness, that we are, we are strong when we are weak, and the testimony uh, that he gave about his brother, uh, what an amazing uh, story that was, and just an encouragement for us to recognize that it's, it's when we are weak in and of ourselves and we ask God for help, it's when we can accomplish things for him and he will accomplish things in and through us. A very, very uh, challenging passage of scripture. Today, um, as Darren's read for us, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, very much uh, an upside down living style of message. As Jesus was uh, speaking there in Matthew chapter five, six, and seven, uh, he confronts so many different things, so many of the, the cultural norms. And he said, you've heard it said, but I say to you, and Jesus would flip these norms on their head and, and he, would, he would really just address a number of different things. In the Beatitudes, these, these verses that were read just for us this morning, there's these promises, blessed are, uh, for they shall. And it's, it's a number of different things uh, there that people are, are blessed for, attitudes and actions that we are blessed for. And so today, uh, we're going to be looking at just one of those, and that's Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
And what we're going to do, we're going to do things a little bit different. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever had the privilege of meeting uh, Peter Bourne, uh, but Peter, I'm going to ask you to come on up onto stage right now. Uh, Peter and I uh, got to know each other fairly early in, in my time here. He came in and, and we sat down in my office. We've chatted a few times and uh, he's got an amazing story um, and I'm excited to hear his story this morning. Um, if you haven't met Peter, you've probably heard him laughing. All right, and, and his laugh is just one of those very infectious laughs, and here, I'll just make sure that that is on for you. There you go. Uh, his, his laugh is very infectious. It's, uh, it's a laugh that if you're having a bad day and you hear it, it just instantly cheers you up, even if you don't know where it's coming from. Just the, the sound of it is, is great. Uh, but Peter's got an amazing story, and so Peter, I'll just get you to sit down there, and I'm going to grab my notes just so I don't forget to ask you anything along the way. Um, but uh, let's just pray, and then we will we'll get right into the, the testimony. Father, I just thank you for this morning. Uh, I thank you for uh, your goodness to us, Lord. Uh, Lord, the fact that you are just so amazing, Lord, that we need nothing other than you, uh, Lord, and that you, in knowing you and, and in walking with you, Lord, you bless us and you, you fulfill us, Lord. Lord, I just want to thank you for Peter. Thank you for his willing to, to be here this morning. And, and Lord, just to, to share his story about how he came to you and the process that, that went on in his life uh, to get there. And I just thank you in your name. Amen. So Peter, we're just going to start with that question I said we'd start with, which is just, uh, can you tell us a little bit of your life before you came to know Jesus? Okay. I'll start in my usual way. I'm Pete Bourne, and I'm an alcoholic. Uh, I've been sober now for uh, 46 years, and now I'm going to tell you how I got there. Uh, I was in the bar with a ge- an older gentleman, and I was a very sick man, and he seen it, and he picked me up, and he took me to the clinic in Lloyd, and my doctor there was Dr. Smith, a Baptist. <laughs> and he, uh, as soon as he smelt me, he told me, get out, I don't want nothing to do with you. And then I pleaded with him, I said, Doc, I need help. He said, all right, I'll put you in the hospital if you don't, you come and you haven't been drinking on Monday. And that's what I did. And uh, I was in there a week, and he said, Pete, there's an AA meeting tonight. I'm going to let you out to go to it. And it was in the old hospital, and and the old Lutheran church was just down the street from there. And he said, you go in the back door. But he said, if you don't come back, you're never getting back in here, because doctors didn't like alcoholics. And uh, that was my first contact with Alcoholics Anonymous. I think I cried all night there. You know, people don't, you just think you quit drinking and everything will be fine. That's far from the, far from the truth. There's so many things that have happened in my life. I don't want to give you a drunken log because that serves no purpose. I want to tell you how I got better. I went to meetings, and 
in the process, I think my doctor got a hold of Pastor Preep from the Baptist Church at that time in the old building. And Pastor Preep got a hold of me and, and he invited me to his place for supper. And I went. And then he said, Pete, he said, I invite you to come to church. And I did. And I was going to church, and then there's an evangelist come through, and he said, Pete, you should go to that. So I did. And there was a call-up, and I go in up. But, you know, that isn't half the problem that an alcoholic's got. You know, it's just a touch of it. Uh, You've done so much damage, my family, my children, my wife. At that time, she divorced me. Uh, and all those things were happening. Uh, and some of my children really didn't like me. And uh, it, it was hard. There's nothing easy about that. And I, I was staying at... Uh, I had to find a new place to live and everything else, and, and, and everything was complicated. And uh, I got to remember, get it right, because uh, in Alcoholics Anonymous, we say you've got to be honest with yourself. If you can't be honest with yourself, you're never going to make it. And. Uh, I know uh, two of my kids kind of stuck with me, but uh, uh, later on they, they, they left also. And, uh, and then I had lots of other problems come along, you know, and, and the fears and, and not knowing. And, and, uh. So one day I was at home all by myself. And I had never got on my knees to pray. And Alcoholics Anonymous, they always said, get on your knees. And uh, so I was afraid to, to pray. And so I went down in, the, in my place out in the acreage. I went downstairs. I went to the furthest room. And it was actually my daughter's room. And I closed the door and I got on my knees and I, I give the Lord everything I, I could at that time. And I didn't do it quite right. Because later on there were things bothering me and, and I, I had to deal with them again. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, the Lord is always willing to listen. Uh, I came to believe that God could sober me up. And that's what Alcoholics Anonymous, we came to believe in a power greater than ourselves would restore us to sanity. And everybody said, oh, I'm not insane. I said, oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I said, I would go every day and do the same thing and expecting a different result. And you, that's insanity. Because every day was the same. You get drunk and 
uh, and you did the same, repeat the same things day after day. Uh, but when I was taken to the, the clinic with a, an alcoholic, had mercy on me. And he took me there and got me started. And I just, uh, and I remember my mother saying, bless Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, there was 15 of us, 15 kids, my mother. And there was, uh, I had another brother, he was an alcoholic, and he had joined the Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, I had a lot of good things happen. And a roundup, what Alcoholics Anonymous calls a roundup, it, it'd be a meeting like this, and we had a speaker, and, and he would tell the story like I'm telling you now. And uh, my brother Tom, and there was a roundup, what we called a provincial roundup in Calgary, and I went down there and seen my brother, and he says, I don't think you'll get a ticket, Pete. Well, I said, I'll go down with you anyhow. I says, if, if nothing else, they'll let you stand in the back and listen to the speaker. Other than that, you went to a table and they fed you. And uh, so I, I asked if there was any tickets. He said, oh, somebody just left a ticket. And I, I got the ticket and me and my brother were sitting together. God works in mysterious ways. And, uh, and it was a good roundup. They all are good. Uh, and I did a lot of what you call 12-stepping in Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, the 12 steps says we go and help others to recover. And a lot of them were dangerous. I, two occasions there was guns involved. Uh, and many of uh, my uh, fellow, uh, we never went by ourselves because it was too dangerous. Uh, and uh, my buddy, he was standing behind him and I sat in front of this one guy and he had the gun up here. And uh, I said, well, I'm going to sit here and watch this, but I'm going to tell you something. I said, I tried suicide. I said, that's the most selfish thing you could ever do. You don't think of your family. You don't think of anybody else but yourself. And he laid the gun down. So my experience with suicide, I saved two people. Another fellow was, he come to me and he, he said, Need, I think I'm going to commit suicide. He'd, lost both feet and everything was going against him. And then I told him what, how I felt after I'd tried suicide. And uh, he gave that up. And it's not uncommon for addictions to go for suicide. Easy way out. Uh, and then my family My kids, I loved them dearly. It took me many years to get them to love me again. 
Uh, I know my daughter, Linda, she always puts on my birthday card or something, best dad ever. You know, why would I, should I get that after all? I neglected them and all that. And Marlene is the same in, in, in Foreman. And uh, I have another daughter in Leduc. And we always say to each other, we love each other. I had one son, my, my oldest son, uh, he's in Alcoholics Anonymous too. And I 12-stepped him. And uh, he's been sober now many years too. Uh, what else can I tell you? Two things that I wanted to ask you just as we close is one, you had talked about restoration with one of your sons and you called him and then he called you back yeah, a little bit later. I'll tell him about if that, you one. Get that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm my youngest son. He always dis had a dislike for me and he kind of favored his mother and I didn't mind that. Uh, but I thought one day, you know, I'm going to phone him up and, and tell him I love him. So I did, and, and uh, I said, Dave, I love you. Huh. And he hung up. About two weeks later, he phones me, and he says, Dad, I love you too. You know, there's nothing more than the love of your children. Uh, and then I, I married Betty, and... and uh, She's been the love of my wife, life, you know, and, and it's, she's been just everything to me. She was going to Al-Anon, and that's where I met her. Uh, we used, A and Al-Anon used to meet together once in a while, and I spied her. <laughs> <laughs> and we've been uh, together now, she tells me, 39 years we've been married, and... Uh, Coming from a broke situation, you know, we've got a lovely home. We had a cabin which we sold last year in September. Uh, we did a lot of things together. We worked together. We worked on the cabin together, and we, we worked on the home together, and, and uh, we've been a good couple. We've had problems here and there. But we would always sit down and we'd talk them out. Pete, as we close, would you just tell us how Betty came to know Christ? How, which? how Betty came to know Christ as Savior. Oh, well, I'll tell you that one, too. <laughs> 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 I could tell you many. Uh, I had two brothers come, one from Red Deer and one from Calgary. They're Christians. And they went to see my brother, other brother, Jim, in town. And they wanted him to go in, and he's got a few bucks, and they wanted him to go in on a scheme they had going. And, uh, and Tom was allergic to dogs, and my brother Jim had a dog, so he come over to our, they come over to our place to sleep. And we were sitting around the kitchen table, and Betty was there, and, and we were talking about different things. Uh, we were all, uh, actually we're all three were alcoholic. And uh, we'd talk about different things. And then uh, Tom come along and he said, Betty, he said, uh, have you been saved? 
And she said, no. And he said, would you like to? And she said, yes. And uh, so we all grabbed hands and uh, we got Betty confirmed in, in, to the Lord. And, uh, and she's been a real good Christian every day, every morning she goes downstairs and she reads her Bible and, and uh, I read mine also. Uh, in fact, me and Mike out here, uh, we usually coffee together and uh, Mike's reading his Bible and I'm reading when we're done, we usually get together. <laughs> so we have a pretty good session of things. And, and uh, another thing happened to me in my early sobriety, I was five, five years sober and I supervised this building for class and construction. And uh, it was uh, a blessing to me because I found it difficult to, to work and I, uh, I couldn't remember some of my work that I used to do and this brought it all back to me. And Andy Clausen was a good man to work for and, and later on I worked for Buildings by Klinger and Mrs. Klinger comes here once in a while and her daughter works over in that booth, and uh, they were good people to work for, too. Oh, Peter, thank you very much You're for welcome. sharing your story. Thanks, appreciate Bruce, it. for appreciate giving me the chance. All right. blessings of being a pastor sitting in the office and having conversations like that and it's so nice to be able to share uh, those conversations with you and again Peter thank you for for sharing your story with us this morning and the in the bit that we have left I just want to summarize this this life upside down and this teaching of of Jesus where he says blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven and so, uh, as Jesus is teaching, um, there are a number of Beatitudes there in, in verses 1 through 12, and each one begins with this word, blessed. I have to ask this question, what, what does a blessed life look like? And if you were to do a quick search on, on internet, you know, uh, maybe search out the hashtag blessed, uh, you'll see a number of different things. Maybe somebody gets to play their favorite sport. One guy I saw the, the other day, he had, you know, he's got to play lacrosse, and so he pushed hashtag blessed, you know. The couple spent a day at the beach together and they got all these annoying selfies. I mean, great selfies that they get to take while they're there together. Uh, sorry, babe. Um, uh, take those selfies so they're there together and post online and then you have this hashtag blessed. Maybe it's an engagement photo. Maybe it's a, a new job that you've gotten. Maybe it's a job that you've just been able to quit. You know, something along those lines and you can search out and you'll see this hashtag blessed. And so this is, this is the idea and, and you know, a lot of good things in there. You know, a lot of things that are, are exciting to share. And it's a good thing to recognize where you're blessed. But is that what Jesus is talking about? Is that what Jesus is talking about when he said, blessed are? Does that mean you're going to have an amazing spouse? Does that mean you're going to have great days at the beach? Does that mean uh, you're going to be able to play your favorite sport all the time? You know, potentially. But he has something much deeper for us. He has something, a much greater promise for us when we, when we trust in him and we understand what he means to be blessed. And 
There's a guy named Greg Brown, and he's a contributor uh, to a website called Bible.org that I, that I use often for studying. And here when he says Jesus, when Jesus is talking about being blessed, he breaks it down into three different categories. I just want to look at that with you really quick. First and foremost, simply means, Jesus says, when you are blessed, it means that you are happy. It means that you are happy. And this is a happiness, again, that goes beyond circumstances. It goes beyond that awesome day at the beach. It goes beyond being able to, to spend the time playing your favorite sport. This happiness comes from something that, that God has given us. He's given us himself. He's given us eternal life. He's given us a relationship with him. And no matter what circumstances come our way, we would also call it joy. There is a sense of, of comfort. There's a sense of peace. And there's a sense of, even in the midst of difficulty, a, a happiness to know that he is with us. And so that's the first one. It just simply means that we're happy. The second one, it means that, that um, we feel or we receive God's approval. Now, this one is, is interesting because I want to be careful because, you know, growing up in, in, in my faith and being young in my faith, uh, uh, you know, one of the things that I thought that I had to do was I had to work hard to be more approved by God, more loved by God. And if I could just do the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, then, then God's love to me would increase and I'd just be a better child of his and he'd be way more proud of me. And that was a, a real tough battle because you realize very quickly that you mess up a lot more than you do what's right. And you're like, man, how do I, how do I know that I'm approved of God? And the first thing that we need to rest in is it was one of the lyrics that was in the song this morning is, I can never be more loved than I am right now. If I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, I'm accepted and approved by God um, because of what Jesus Christ has accomplished for me. I can't earn God's love. I can't grow in his love. He loves me like he loves Jesus. So, so he can't love me any more than he does because he loves me as, as one of his sons and he loves me as he loves Jesus Christ. So I don't have to search for his love. But there is a sense of being blessed as we put these things into practice that, that we feel and we know his approval. It's like a father looking and saying, hey, kid, you did a good job. You did a good job. And as I was thinking about this, um, I was thinking about the, the recent uh, World Juniors. I don't know if any of you guys bothered to watch hockey in summer. I didn't watch a whole lot of hockey in summer, but I followed that just to see how the Canadians were doing. And you'll know that uh, if you followed it at all, that the Canadians went into overtime against Finland in the, in the uh, gold medal game. And uh, it's crazy hockey. It's three on three. Um, Kanda has the puck in behind their net or it's going in behind their net our guy slips the Finnish player gets it he sends it out front uh, two of his guys there basically a two on oh with the Canadian guy trying to catch up passes across the net guy shoots Canadian goalie gets a piece of it but it goes over him and it's heading for a shore goal it's, it's going to be a goal in fact if you watch the replay in slow motion you can see the player from Finland like getting ready to put his hands up he's like yes we've, we've won right but then Mason McTavish, if you followed this, comes from behind the net. He's the guy that kind of slipped, caused a turnover in the first place. But we're going to forget about that because what he did next was amazing. All right? He, he, the puck is coming up through the air and it's coming into the net. And he manages to knock that puck straight down onto the goal line. Not across the goal line, onto the goal line. And quickly clear it out of the way. Canada subsequently goes down to the other end, gets the gold medal, or gets the goal and wins the game. All right? And I was thinking about that and I was thinking about how... Mason McTavish went out of his way. He, he did what he had to do, knocked that puck down, really saved the game for Canada. 
I pretty much guarantee you that his players, his fellow players were, were giving him, you know, some congratulations in the dressing room. I'm pretty sure that his coaches were like, man, that was one of the coolest plays that I've ever seen. You know, I'm sure his father uh, came alongside of him and said, hey, kid, you did a good job there. I Googled a bunch of times. There's no information on his mom, but I'm sure she was proud of him as well. You know what, guys? That's what being blessed is. It's awareness that, that God doesn't just spend time looking at our mistakes, the slip-ups that we make, the things that we do that messes up. Being blessed is realizing that when we do what we're supposed to do, God approves us, and he gives us that pat on the back and says, hey, kid, good job. I'm proud of you. And this is a blessed life. I mean, if, if we you know, get that little pat on that back, the assurance from the Holy Spirit that what we just did was right, Man, that is a blessed life to know that we are just that affirmation of God's approval for us. And the last one is, is that we receive God's favor. Psalms 23, 6 says this, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So there's this promise here that as we are obedient to God, um, he, he, we receive his favor. And that doesn't mean that if you come over to, to our house as I try to live for God that I have my dream Corvette in the yard and a hot tub in the backyard and all of these things because I obey God and I have his favor. That's not what we're looking at. It's, it's understanding that he is with us at all times. It's understanding that, that his favor is there and that whatever situation that we go into, he's providing for us, he's caring for us, he's looking out for us. It's not about accumulating stuff for me. It's not about just experiencing blessings just for the things that I want. It's knowing that he is there with us in each and every circumstance of life. So as Jesus goes through the blesseds, that's what he's talking about. And then the next thing he says is, blessed are, the first beatitude is, blessed are the poor in spirit. And here Peter, as he began his testimony, he said, he said hi, I'm Peter, I'm, I'm an alcoholic. There came a point in Peter's life where, where he realized his desperate need of God. His desperate need to be set free from an addiction, but more so to be in a relationship with God. And he got down on his knees in his daughter's bedroom and confessed his sin to, to God and, and placed his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. To be, bore, to be born in spirit, to be poor in spirit, means that we recognize our spiritual brokenness. And we could say today, well, well I didn't go down that path. You know, I'm not an alcoholic. You know, why do I need to be broken before God? We need to be broken before God, guys, because each and every one of us in our own way has rejected him. And that leaves us in a place of spiritual bankruptcy. We often want to look within ourselves to solve our problems. We want to look within ourselves to provide that peace that should be there. And we're told, hey, you can do it. But the Bible's pretty clear, guys, we can't do it. When Satan tempted uh, Adam and Eve in the garden, it says uh, this, he said, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And here's the thing, guys, when Adam and Eve followed after Satan's temptation, that sin has been passed on to each and every one of us. And the thing that we truly believe in our hearts and our sinful nature is that I am enough. I am sufficient. I can improve myself. I can gain this next level of, of, of peace and contentment in my life. But the reality is, until we recognize our spiritual bankruptcy, we will never be at peace. We will never be content. Because until we're doing what we're designed to do, which was be in a relationship with God, we can never be at peace and we can never experience uh, contentment. 
Um, number of different verses in scripture that show us our spiritual bankruptcy. I'm just going to look at, at one. Um, in Romans 3.23, Craig says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Each and every one of us needs to recognize that we are broken. Each and every one of us needs to recognize that we are separated from God. And that in and of ourselves, there's nothing we can do to restore that relationship with God. The only thing that we can do is come to Jesus in faith, recognize that he lived a sinless life, the life we couldn't live, recognize that he died on the cross to take the penalty for our sins and recognize that he rose again, guaranteeing us the promises of eternal life. And when we do that, when we place our faith and trust in him, that is when we become spiritually rich. But there's another thing that we want us to understand is the fact that it's not just a salvation issue. You see, after we become saved, after we we place our faith and trust in Christ, we're part of God's eternal family. That can't change. But you know what? The tendency within us is still to go back to depend on ourselves. To think, wow, you know, I can get up here and preach. I've done this for a few years. I don't need God. Well, I've served in kids' ministries for a long time. It's just the routine. I just come in. You know, or, you know, even going about our devotions. I've done this for years. I'm going to read my Bible and I'm going to learn something. But what you have to understand, guys, is still in each and everything that we do, we're still desperately desperate for God. That without him, we can do nothing. John 15 says this, abide in me and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit in itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in me, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, and this is for us as believers, apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, as we, as we head into the fall, as we head into a new season of ministry, and, and as Gord mentioned, and we're going to go to two services on the 18th, he said 9.40, he gave me an extra 20 minutes in the morning. Uh, actually, the services start at 9.20 uh, on, on, on September the, the 18th. Um, but as we go into a new season of ministry, as we go into this new season, we need to recognize that unless we're desperate for God, we're going to be doing it with all the wrong resources. We need to come before God and we need to ask him and we need to to, to beg him, God, we can't do anything without you, but with you, we can do amazing things. We need to look forward to this fall with anticipation. We need to look forward to this fall with excitement. But we need to do it not because FBC is an amazing church, which it is, and FBC has amazing programs, which it does. But we need to do it in a sense of, God, thanks for providing these programs so that you can work in and through us. We need to be desperate for him. So blessed are the poor in spirit. Why? For theirs is the kingdom of God. We get to enter into this eternal relationship with God. We get to enter into knowing we have the the assurance of eternal life in heaven. That's an amazing thing. But we also have this amazing promise in Colossians chapter one. It says this, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. See, our hope and our peace and our our excitement, this, this kingdom of heaven isn't a future thing. It isn't just a future thing. We do have that eternal home in heaven, but guys, we get to live out the kingdom of God here on earth. We get to, with God, the help of God's Holy Spirit, show people the character and nature of Christ. We get to have true purpose for the rest of our lives in whatever we do, that everything that we do is to point people to Jesus, to point people to God, and he wants to use each and every area of our life. Each and every gift, ability that he's given to us, he wants to use us to point people to him. That's a blessed life. 
is seeing a supernatural change in ourselves and then seeing a supernatural change in people as they come to know Jesus Christ and are transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his son. And that's what we get to live for. That is the blessing of knowing God and having that assurance of a relationship, a relationship with him. As Paul closes, uh, as, as I want to close, uh, we look at Romans chapter 14. It says this, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. As we live this kingdom life, we get to realize that, that it's a kingdom of righteousness, that if we follow the direction of the Holy Spirit, we are going to do what is right. And as we do what is right, it's a kingdom of peace because, because we won't have guilt for doing the right thing. And we also have the assurance that God is there with us. We can look at Hebrews 13, 6. It says this, so we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can men do to me? And so today, as we, as we think about ourselves and this life upside down, God is calling us to, to abandon ourselves to abandon this confidence that we have in ourselves or that we try to place in ourselves for fulfillment and for satisfaction. He's saying abandon that because you don't really, we don't have, I didn't have, we don't have anything to bring to the table except an acknowledgement of our spiritual brokenness. And when we acknowledge that and when we receive what Christ has provided for us, we go from broken and impoverished to being part of God's eternal kingdom. And that's how the poor are truly made rich. So today, if Peter's story uh, has, has helped you understand something about your own life, I would encourage you to talk to him. You know, just, just let him know how his story encouraged you. If you're struggling, you know, with the things that he talked about, talk to him. He can direct you some good help, some places to get help. If you've come today and you realize, man, I, I am spiritually broken. I need to be made new. I need to have that, that fulfillment that Christ offers. Talk to myself, talk to any of the people with a, like a volunteer shirt on and they will direct you to somebody so that we can talk to you about any, having an eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. And then for those of us that know Christ is our savior, you know, let's not run on self-sufficiency. Let's not run on routine. Let's not run on habit. But let's run on a desperate need for God and see him fulfill things in and through us. Let's pray together. Father, I just want to thank you for this morning. I want to thank you so much for Peter being willing to share his story. Lord, I want to thank you so much that you have sent Jesus into this world to provide what we could not provide for ourselves. So Father, today, wherever we are in life, Lord, if there's those here that don't know you, Lord, that you would help them to see their need of you. For those of us that know you, help us to, to admit and to acknowledge that, that we need you as well to do the things that you've called us to do. And so, Father, as we are desperate before you, as we recognize that the, you are the only source of our fulfillment and our ability to do things, Lord, I pray that we would enter into that truly blessed life by being poor in spirit so we can be rich in your kingdom. I just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being here this week. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day and, and hope to see you next week for Camp Update Sunday.